Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Illegal Pete's. Um, kind of a weird day here, but I'm at Blake Street Tavern with Ryan Konigsberg to talk you guys through everything that's happening with uh, Mel Tucker, Darren Cheverini now being the interim head coach. Um, how's it going, Ryan? It's going all right. It's been a hell of a few days here and certainly um, a weird day uh in in buffs country or buffs nation uh, I, i'm programmed for broncos country but um i guess i'll start by saying i i wasn't nearly as thrown off um or caught off guard by this as some of the fans and so i certainly uh feel for the people who probably woke up this morning yeah at you know early hours of the day and looked at their phone and had texts from friends or saw tweets or whatever alerts letting them know this uh i was I feel fortunate that I wasn't blindsided by this because this had kind of under wraps been still bubbling um, while I, I realize a lot of people thought it died with, with Mel's tweet on Saturday. Yeah, it's been it's been a weird few days. You know, it, it starts with a report coming out Friday that Mel Tucker um, is going to interview for the Michigan State job and all of us kind of being shocked and uh, not hearing much about it until the next afternoon when Mel tweets that he's committed to Colorado, Rick George tweets something similar, and then we're kind of just left to try to piece together what all happened in that, whatever, 18 hours in between. Um, And then this all happens, and it turns out we have about 72 hours now that we're still trying to reverse engineer and just piece back together. what what do you know right now, Ryan? What's your understanding of what happened over the course of this weekend? So late Thursday, early Friday is when interest from Michigan State and Mel Tucker kind of started bubbling. And when it really started to heat up was on Friday. But interestingly enough, and maybe originally it seemed as if it was an advantage for the Buffs here, is that Mel Tucker was on the road with Rick George starting Thursday for this tour that they do going around to the big donors and raising money for the program. And so unlike most situations, Rick was kind of right there, step for step, being able to give the CU perspective on this. A lot of times guys get interest, they disappear, the, the, the athletic director can't get a hold of them, and all of a sudden they're gone, you know, or they call the athletic director and say, hey, I've, I've got an offer. This was different in the sense that Rick was able to kind of be there all along trying to convince Mel to stay. So um, Friday, 
there's a lot of interest. Mel and Rick meet. Saturday morning, Mel and Rick meet again. And at that point is when it was kind of decided that Mel was going to come out with a show of support saying that he was staying with CU because at that point it looked like the job was going to Luke Fickle. Mm -hmm. The head coach at Cincinnati. The head coach at Cincinnati, who also just lost his athletic director to uh, USC, USC, which is a fascinating part of all this because it's not like Luke Fickle is in a fantastic job. The fact that he turned this down is fascinating to me. Um, So that comes out, but I think the most important thing to note here is that this never died. It was kind of understood that Luke Fickle was the favorite. Mel and Michigan State were flirting, but they had a, a... it was understood that Luke Fickle was their guy. So while Mel comes out with a kind of damage control, is the way it was described to me that day, actually, damage control type tweet to make sure that if he doesn't get that job, people don't think he was pursuing it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, because let's say Mel doesn't tweet anything until today where he's saying, I, you know, I'm committed to see you. Well, everyone will say, oh, well, he spent the whole weekend trying to get the job. The idea was if you're not going to get this job, you need to come out and say something because it looks really bad if you don't say anything all weekend. So Mel comes out with that, but the conversations between Mel's camp and Michigan state never died. Mm -hmm. Michigan state was certainly not under the impression at any point during the process that Mel was out. Okay. And see, see there, there's an interesting point because I've talked to sources too that don't necessarily like disagree with that. They obviously don't. They all line up because it's probably what happened. But what I heard is that, Mel kind of backed out Saturday himself, and he he wasn't nearly as involved in the process from that point on. And it was more Michigan State kind of talking to his agent, keeping the agent involved, and then eventually coming to the agent and saying, here's what we have for you. And then the agent going back to Mel and saying, here's where they're at. What do you think? And if the money's big, then it's tough to turn down. Well, so whether it was Mel or his agent, usually it is the agent in direct Mm -hmm. contact. But like I said... They never told, as far as I, I it was made, to, as far as it was described to me, they never told Michigan State thanks but no thanks at any point. Okay. And so then on Monday, I believe, is when it comes out that uh, Luke Fickle is not taking the job. He's staying at Cincinnati, which to me, again, really interesting. I think it says a lot about the job itself that Luke Fickle at Cincinnati didn't want it. Yeah, and so Michigan State obviously dealing with whatever violations, don't really know what the Pell is coming down. It's almost like there's this whole thing that's been kept under wraps by uh, the Michigan State Athletics Department, and we don't really know what's going to come out, whether, you know, is are, are they going to get scholarships pulled? Are they going to get, you know, postseason eligibility pulled? All that kind of stuff. But it, it does sound like the way things are lining up, that what happened was Luke Fickle got to the stage where they were willing to say, okay, here's what we have. Here's, like, what's in this can of worms. And that's kind of when Fickle decided, eh, maybe that isn't the spot he wants to meet. He'd rather just stick around at Cincinnati. And, again, that's a bad look. Not for Luke Fickle in Cincinnati, but for Michigan State, which, again, kind of in turn ends up being a bad look for CU that Mel Tucker saw it as a better job than CU. And maybe he was simply just chasing dollars. But, again, going back to the timeline here, Monday night is when Michigan State 
went in on Mel Tucker. Yep. And that's when they started really upping the ante in terms of what they were going to um, want to offer him. Tuesday, the talks with them keep going, and that's where things get really messy to me. By Tuesday, Mel Tucker knows he's the top guy left on their border. At least he should know that. He also knows, again, according to the way it was described to me, he he wanted the job. He wanted the job mm-hmm. all along. And during all this, while essentially there's an offer or a contract being negotiated, he goes on to Denver Radio. And that's where he really loses me. And again, this was Tuesday morning that all of this was happening. Right. So Tuesday morning, things really start to heat up between Mel and Michigan State. And that's where Mel starts to really lose me here. Because as we now know, Mel goes on three three different radio three. stations throughout the state, throughout the day, with this awkward show of dedication and commitment to CU. But all the while, behind the scenes, they're essentially negotiating a contract. And... As far as it was described to me, Mel knew he wanted the job. So this is where I just, I can't understand what the thought process was. And you're probably thinking, man, Mel should have had a PR person to help him out with this stuff. Well, you should know that Mel pretty recently hired his own PR person to handle his PR stuff not within the athletic department. He wanted his own guy. So, again, he has professional help that's leading him down this path, which, again, makes absolutely no sense to me. If you are Mel Tucker and you need to get out of these radio interviews that you scheduled on Saturday maybe, because uh, yeah, you know, uh, then you just say, hey, look, I've got a really busy day. I've got to talk to all these players who are worried that I was going to leave so you know, easy don't go on the freaking radio don't go on the radio and and the thing about the radio is you know it's not like he could have gone on on saturday or sunday the no. radio works during the week that's why you would schedule in advance exactly so again cancel the radio gigs there's a million reasons why you would cancel a radio gig it's not like if you if you canceled your interview with altitude everyone's gonna say oh my god mel's leaving it might not even make it out no Seriously. one might even know other than the people who work at Altitude. So that's where he leaves me. Then, again, by sat- by Tuesday evening, a formal offer is on Mel Tucker's desk. And he goes to this donor event in Denver. And it's just like, dude, what are you doing? You like, you, you got to be kidding me. I mean, in the end, though, isn't it kind of better for the buffs that he did go to that like I'm sure the boosters who ended up giving money because he was there are pretty upset that he left right after but it almost would have been worse for the buffs if he would have said actually we're not we got to cancel this and they lose out on a few grand or whatever they make maybe I don't know it looks a bad look though not just for him but for Rick George because Rick wasn't we can assume that Rick wasn't completely in the dark on all of this especially because Mm -hmm. even if Mel and his people weren't communicating with him he's an athletic director there's a lot of you know communication that goes on during these coaching searches. People know what's going on, so I, I realize you know he's trying to hold on for dear life here yep. uh, with Mel, and so he's going to have CU's interest in his mind. But 
So obviously, then late last night is when they agree on the deal. But where, like I said, even if you, I could, I could understand the tweet on yep. Saturday because at that point, Mel's not the favorite. He wants to make sure that CU fans calm down. He's not that confident that he's going to get this Michigan State job. I understand it. It's not. It's a little messy. But I understand. They it. wanted Fickle. It was obvious they wanted Fickle. It was obvious to Mel. Right. It turns out he was Fickle, and they had to turn <laughs> to Mel Tucker. Um, but that's defensible. What the, the media stuff yesterday, when he is under a pretty good feeling that he is the favorite to become the head coach at Michigan State, that is that is slimy, dude. That's really, really slimy. It is. And, and you to know, me, <sighs> and this is, this is me talking now, just a, a guess. To me, that's a, that was negotiation tactics. Is He's telling Michigan State, like, sorry, I'm already committed to see you. Like, I'm even doing these radio interviews today. And he wants them to say, like, well, come on. All right, we'll give you $6 million. All right, seven. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. So Or $5 million, $6 million. Uh, it was – that was very, very selfish. Let's uh, – let's – change everything here let's say what if he does the exact opposite instead of keeping everybody in the dark instead of pretending everything's all right with CU what happens if Friday night the report comes out and I guess he still probably doesn't have to say anything but then on Saturday at some point says here's what's up it's an interesting job it's close to where I live they're going to probably offer me a lot more money if they decide that I'm the route they want to go they have money for the assistant coaches they have all these different things I have to listen because you know it's it's in a lot of ways, a step forward for my career. What if he had kept that open? What if he had said Saturday, you know, now that we've talked, I don't think this is the route I want to go. You know, nothing is set in stone, but it doesn't seem like the right spot. And then just kind of carries through just being totally honest. How much do you think that would have hurt him if he had wound up at CU? Uh, 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 a lot, honestly. You do? It would have showed that he's interested in other jobs. Mm-hmm. He's interested in taking a step up. And you can't ever get that back. You know, like mm-hmm. up until Friday night, we could live in a world where Mel Tucker thinks that he's taking CU to a national championship one day and he's going to be here for the next 20 he years. He literally said it here at the Blake Street Tavern one week ago today, last Wednesday. We watched him say, no, we're winning national championships here. And how, and how messy is it that he stood in front of donors on Saturday night and said, CU is a destination job, and I don't want to leave here. I mean, that's so grimy. <laughs> that's so uh, grimy. Like, don't say that. There's ways to say things without saying them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You didn't have to go, like, all in <sighs> destination job. You could be like, I'm really happy here. And But you use the phrase destination. Like, the word destination. That means one thing. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, until Friday, we could live in that world. Once, if he came out on Saturday and said, this is a really intriguing job, I have to listen for my family, et cetera, et cetera. Well, then mm-hmm. we could never live in that world again. Yep. Would CU fans still have been happy if he didn't take the job? Yes. But it would have been negative recruiting, all that stuff would have yep. been in play. So, again, to me, there was a pan- the tweet on Saturday was a panic thing. That's what it looked like. Um, the truth was... Mel, we were never going to be able to live in that world again where Mel has no interest in other jobs. So they should have just l- stayed quiet. Yeah. And, you know, it, it again, there's still, for as much information as we have, there are still so many questions. You know, there must have been an interview that took place. 
I have it on good authority from somebody who knows Mel's travel plans that he was not in Michigan at any point over the weekend. So did Michigan State, their, their representatives, fly out to California while he was in California, meet with him that morning? Was it a phone interview? We don't really know. But it, again, we didn't even know that he had actually interviewed for that job. We didn't have that fact until we knew that he was taking the job. And here's another thing that I forgot to mention. Mel, as far as I understand it, was told this was going to be done behind the scenes, confidential. Hmm. And then it leaked. And so that put him in a really weird position. And it's why we got down the road of him having to send, you know, the BS tweet on Saturday. But again, it, it's funny. I, I If I wasn't talking to people on Saturday, I would have thought, we're good. Yeah, but for sure. multiple people said to me on Saturday, that's not a firm stance that he's taking. There's room for leeway in that statement. And I didn't see it that way, but neither did I. Uh, it's a it's a it's a rough a rough scenario, and I think the truth is whether Mel did it the right way or the wrong way or anything uh, along those lines, the Buffs are now in a really tough spot. The Buffs are in a really tough spot. Um, you know, before we get into that, before we get into what they have to do going for going forward, what do you think? is is different for Mel in terms of recruiting. Do you think recruits, when he's recruiting to Michigan State, are going to be able to go back to, well, look what he said at Colorado. I don't know that I trust him. Do you think things change for him? Yeah. Uh, I mean, how in your first statement do you talk about integrity? And everyone, I mean, this is when it's fresh. Yep. It's yep. fresh that you just told everyone. I mean, forget the recruiting stuff, because the truth is when Mel... Tucker was on the phone with Ashad Clayton last week. Michigan State wasn't open. True. He was going to be here this year until this job randomly becomes open out of nowhere. Because because Michigan State's coach picks up the bonus for sticking with it as long as he did. Picks up whatever the $4.75 million. And then he backs out and it just starts this chain reaction. And a lot of people in the coaching world believe that he's not stepping out because he wants to spend more time with family. It's because he thinks something's about to happen. Yeah. Yep. So, again, you can't come out with this integrity stuff after you just – you spent three days just lying to people. Not the vague statement of commitment, but standing in front of people and saying, see you as a destination job. That's why I took this job. That is lying. So give me your money. Right. He took it a step further. Like, not just here's me saying it, but give me your money. Yeah, that's – Damn near thievery. <laughs> it's very close. Fraud. Although he doesn't get to keep the money. See, you does, thankfully. Thankfully. Uh, and, and then another $3 million on top of that that Michigan State has. Michigan State is really rolling the dice here. They really are. They're making are. Mel Tucker one of the top 12 paid coaches in the nation. Have we gotten a firm number on his contract yet? Just that it was more than double what so, he was making. And, and he's making $2.7 million, so we know $5.4 million we're, we're, minimum. We're probably assuming $6 million. Yeah, and if it's 5.4, then that makes him the 12th highest paid. If it's 6, then who knows? So we're talking about big, big money for... And, and then an extra $3 million to CEU. To, I mean, talk about having uh, support. Yeah. Well, um, Andy's promised that there's going to be more money going into the assistant coaching pool, more money invested in the strength and conditioning program. 
It's money everywhere. They're they're really really uh, rolling the dice here on a coach who wow. You know, I'm not going to turn around and pretend like I didn't love Mel Tucker. Everybody loved Mel Tucker. Right. So I'm not going to try and drag him. But he did go 5-7. and seven. It's not as if he walked in and took Colorado to even one step higher than they were before in on the field. He certainly uh, brought things way up in recruiting. Yep. But an, a roll of the dice. And, again, let's not also act like Mel Tucker was perfect as a coach last year. Um, most notably the USC game where a lot of people thought he was way too conservative and it cost them the game. Mm-hmm. So, again – I'm not going to try and turn around and act like I didn't love Mel Tucker. No. I totally did. The same here. Like, he was always great to me. I had so many great talks. I really enjoyed every interaction I had with him. Here's how. And that honestly makes it weirder to hear all this come out after. Here's exactly how I'll describe what I'm trying to explain right now. If CU went to a school who hired a guy last year for this opening right now, Mm -hmm. who was five and seven, but also brought them a huge bump in recruiting and offered him twice what he was making you know upwards of six million dollars a huge i would be saying whoa whoa what are you guys doing (laughs) what's going on here you know what i mean so um while i believe in mel tucker and i especially believed in him at cu i do feel like michigan state got a little crazy here i think i think it's easy to see that they went a little bit crazy but at the same time everybody was dropping out of that coaching search everybody and and eventually they got to fickle and then Fickle said, actually, no, I'm not interested either. They kind of needed to just get something done. And I'm not sure how many other options they, there were behind Mel Tucker, and so they had to throw the bag at him. One option I know they did have that I thought was really interesting was Robert Sala. Um, if I were them, that if I were a Michigan State fan, that would have been the name that excited me, me the too. most. Um, but it sounded like his price was even higher than what they ended up paying Mel. Mm. So. Interesting, though, for Robert Sala, defensive coordinator of the 49ers, built that defense. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Just bef- before we kind of move along from the timeline, uh, I do want to add in a couple things that I have learned. Monday morning, there was a team meeting. Um, the phrase that it has been described to me as is just business as usual. Uh, with all the reports coming out over the weekend, Mel Tucker leads the meeting everything just back to normal um, did he address the rumor or anything it didn't like that? sound like he really even addressed it at all it was just a normal day um and then uh today wednesday morning uh he did not meet with the team but he did meet with a group of the staff uh, according to one of my sources and apparently he was really emotional and and the vibe was that he he did really care for cu and did care for his staff but because of everything that happened, he decided this was the best move. Um, whether that makes you feel any better, that's your call. I'm just here to say that that's what I've been told. Um, and then Rick George, as has been reported and as my source confirmed, told Mel not to go talk to the team. So there's a good conversation. Was that the right thing to do? <sighs> you know... Because I've thought a lot about this. I-, I have too, and I've gotten nowhere. Here's my... Th- feeling your first reaction is "Mm, that seems a little harsh at least for me yeah uh you know this guy had a relationship with these kids maybe he deserves an opportunity to talk to him but then i think about it from a business perspective because that's what this all boils down to right business and don't you think it's better for cu for those kids to be mad at mel tucker yes it is yes it is don't you think that it's better for cu for those guys to be saying today like Man, F that guy. Let's show him that he was wrong to leave this place. Yep. And don't you think it's worse 
for CU, if Mel Tucker goes into that room, and we all know Mel Tucker's charming. He is so charming. charms them and makes them totally understand that this is a lifetime-changing opportunity, and I just couldn't, I couldn't pass it up for me and my family. And he starts doing that, and all the kids are like, man, you know what? Like, I love Coach Mel. He did the right thing. And then when Mel Tucker, uh, you know, calls them up and says, hey, you want to come follow me to Michigan State? Well, it's a lot easier it's so much easier and so while it seems a little bit cold for rick rick uh rick george to say no way man pack your bags and gtfo seriously um i actually think we're we're playing the business game here today right it's a business i think that he made the better business decision for the university of colorado yeah and it, and it makes you wonder if he really should have pulled that same card when mel wanted to talk to the staff because you know again i've talked to staffers and, and you forget that there are so many people involved. We talk about the players, we talk about the coaches, and whether the coaches will go with him, and if they do, which players are tied and might follow. The graphic designers. Exactly, the graphic designers. You have the equipment staff. You have all these different people who are involved. Recruiting staff. Social media. So, so many different groups of people. And, you know, talking to them, they don't know if they have a job. They don't know if the head coach is going to come in and say, you know what, I want my whole crew taking over these jobs, and you're out of luck. They don't know if Mel is going to come calling and say, hey, come up to East Lansing with me because I'm going to need somebody who can make these great graphic designs that you've been doing here. And letting Mel talk to that group of people might have that same effect that having, the play or having him talk to the players would have had. Yeah, and it's a little different because it's a smaller group. Mel probably could have called whoever he wanted to and taken them along. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think in the end, I'm not going to blame Rick George. One thing I will say was a little – could have been handled better from a CU mm -hmm. perspective is I just don't – I think Rick should have, should have owned that today in the press conference. When he was asked, did Mel address the players? He did not. He did not, which Three is Three words. Very true. He didn't lie, but he knew what he was doing. He did. And so I think I think that there's a little. I mean, Rick is upset, and he should be. Mm -hmm. um, you know, his wife just left him per se. Yeah. So he has a right to be upset. But I think, in hindsight, he would look back and say, you know what, I should have said, I made the decision that uh, a employee who just resigned doesn't necessarily deserve the right to go talk to our players. That's what yep. I would have said. Yep. And I, th I think that a lot of things were handled very well, particularly in that press conference, because cause he did not he did not just kind of slam the door on Mel on the way out. You know, he, he said, you know, M I respect Mel's decision. Mel's doing what he thinks is right for his family. I personally don't like it, but, you know, I, I understand his reasoning. And, and there was a lot of that kind of talk, you know, talking about they had a great relationship, all these different things. It, it was not a slander Mel press conference, which I think makes a lot of sense. You know, it's a good look. Bringing it was. In, and, and he really tried to sell the job, saying, you know what, we think we can win here. We think we can win here with the resources that we have. We're trying to find somebody who has that vision, wants to be here long term, and that's what we're doing. And he did a lot of spinning it into, look at how great this job is, and, and not so much GTFO Mel. Exactly. And I think that Rick really did handle it in a nice way of saying, I don't feel jilted. I love Mel. He's a great guy. He's a good person. Because it could have, he could have gone scorched earth. He could have. And said, I can't believe he lied to us and this and that. But in the end, you end up 
looking like the bigger person when you come out of it saying only nice things. And hopefully Mel doesn't do the whole um, well, Colorado, you know, the resources just weren't quite what I needed to win, you know, because he's going to be asked there, why did you choose to come here over Colorado? And hopefully he just says, you know what, I, it was a really tough decision, but in the end I had to do what was best for me and my family. And that's the way of saying the money, you yep. know, without having to take CU down in the process. Yep. Um, you know what's going to be a lot tougher for Mel Tucker in uh, Michigan? What? Probably finding a Breck Brew. N not that hard, but definitely harder. Yeah. I mean, what would make it a little bit easier, Ryan? Um, the Breck Brew Finder. What is it called? Beer the Locator. Beer locator. Oh, we were doing such a great job yeah, up to that. The beer, lo <laughs> the beer Locator could help him out. Um, and this just kind of reminded me about something I've been thinking about today is when we are sitting in Mel's office talking about, oh, what, what places do you like and yeah. where have you eaten? And then we ended up getting into a conversation about what's the most life-changing thing you ever experienced? What university did that happen at? It was Michigan State. It was Michigan it State. It was Michigan State. It wasn't even a big moment either. No, it really wasn't. I thought like, you know, the meeting my wife or the you, birth of my you children. You would have guessed. And then you remember football players or football coaches, they are people, but just a little bit less so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> certainly integrity is a fake word in that world. Ugh. Um, so anyways, Breckenridge Breck Breck Brewery. Oh yeah, very good beers. What what kind of beer would you use to cope with uh this loss and uh thinking about the future of it's a good football. question if you're feeling dark i would say mm. then go with the nitro irish stout oh i've never had that oh it's it's fantastic huh uh but if you're looking for some light in your life i would go strawberry sky so, i feel like pretty much any mood i'm in calls for a strawberry sky i had a strawberry sky last night after the abs one Ah, I bet. And see, it's just like perfect because you, you can drink one and be like, wow, this is a great summer beer. I, this just feels right. Or you can say, you know what? This is a beer that I could drink 11 of. And maybe today is an 11 beer day. Could be. Very could, could be. be. Um, also, uh, our friends over at Strava Craft Coffee can get you hooked up if uh, you're experiencing some sort of emotional pain or even physical pain. Yes. The CBD infused coffee is uh, incredible fixes so many different ailments. I'm not sure if it'll fix a broken heart. What is that even the emotion we're feeling right now? Uh, I described it to someone today as like, I'm not sad. I'm mad enough that I don't have to be sad. Oh, interesting. Because like, again, I think Mel handled this extremely poorly. Yep. And that allows me to be angry about something in which I don't have to, like, I'm mad at Mel, so I don't miss him. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, if you're in love with a girl and then she cheats on you, like, and then you guys break up. I don't How much do you really miss her rather than you're just really mad? Like, you yeah. kind of forget that, like, oh, I was in love with that person because now you hate huh. them. Interesting. It's That's also been one of the weirder topics talking to people who are involved with the program. There's some saying they're really upset and they're angry, and that's mostly what they've seen. And other people saying, you know what, I understand the decision. It's something that we actually kind of saw – from before i did have a source say exactly that that it did always kind of feel like mel may have been using colorado as a stepping stone and maybe people just didn't want to believe that um but again those people saying we understand it's more just sadness and wondering what exactly the future holds for us but back to strava uh great coffee great coffee 
Definitely needed some this morning because I didn't get much sleep last night. Mm. The timing of that announcement was really rough. Somehow this whole situation has had Mel keeping me up until 3 a.m. twice. Yep. How does that happen? I really like the uh, the nickname that was dubbed for him, Midnight Mel. Oh, That was good. And then I was thinking of this one today. A new term for when a coach um, leaves a place on, on really bad terms. Ready for it? The tuck and run. The tuck and run. <laughs> oh, I hope that takes off. You deserve for that to take off. That's a good one. Thank you. Um, if you guys are interested in checking out Strava Craft Coffee, then you're making a great decision. And you can save 20% if you purchase online using the code DNVR20, and they'll send it right to your door. Right to your door. Well, um, do you feel like we've had enough of like the whole grieving, trying to understand what happened process? Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about the future. What we know for now is that Darren Cheverini will be the interim head coach. And in my book, I think he might be one of the favorites to land the gig, at least for this year, if they extend that interim role through an entire season. Um, let's just start there. How would you feel about that? Ta- extending the interim role? Um, through the end of the season. It, this was my first thought um, when the news came out about Mel and Michigan State is, okay, worst case scenario, you, you promote Darren to interim head coach and give him the year to, so you can be first in the next coaching cycle. Exactly. It, it's, a, it's an interesting first thought. I think the further you dive into it, it gets a little bit messy. How is, how is Darren Cheverini going to recruit? And that's one of the interesting topics um, because that really is – more or less what this year is going to be about. Um, as much as you hate to say it, the Buffs do have the talent. If you if you keep Chev, you keep a lot of the same systems. If a lot of the coaches stick around, then maybe you can build on top of last year. But it does almost feel like you're getting ready to reset again. Um, maybe with a little bit better talent this time around, that kind of stuff. But one thing that I really could think could help Chev recruit as an interim coach is the fact that we pretty much know that Chev is going to be here. I, I would I struggle to see a situation where Chev isn't a coach at Colorado for the next 20, 30 years unless a head coach comes in and says, actually, we don't want you, which would be kind of crazy considering how great of a recruiter he's been. That is, and that was the counterpoint that was made to me. Is mm. Mel goes into these places and says, "Look, no matter what happens, I'm going to be here. You can count on me being here." Yep. Um, and that can work, but it's not. It's going to be really difficult for that to win out over. You know, when you're trying to win battles, and Herm Edwards, for example, is just saying like, "Well." Why would you go there when you don't even know who the head coach is going to be? Yeah, you might know that he's going to be your wide receivers coach, mm-hmm. but you play defensive back. Yeah. So why do you care who the wide receivers coach is going to be? You might never deal with that guy once they hire someone. That's it's still really, 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 really difficult to recruit to players to a place where they don't even know if they're going to like the head coach. Yeah, and and the not knowing the schemes is the toughest part for me. I, I there are definitely problems with keeping an interim coach long-term in terms of recruiting, but it's when you get to what exactly is this defense? 
are, are, are we sticking with the same scheme? Is this going to be Tyson Summers building on the second year of the playbook? Because, you know, I talked to Mikhail Onu um, a couple of months ago, uh, right after he decided that he was, or I guess he didn't decide, it was after he broke his leg, and I was talking to him about that kind of stuff. But he said that he thinks that in year two, this defense can just go crazy. Now everybody's learned what they're supposed to do, and he said that that took the better part of the season. And the reason they took off late was because they finally understood what they were doing defensively. Now they had a chance to build on it. Do you build on that with Tyson Summers, or do you bring in somebody new? And if you keep Darren Cheverini, do you keep Tyson Summers for another year and then build on something new the year after and just try a whole new scheme that's going to set you back another year? I think if you are keeping Darren Cheverini it, it, as, I guess, in this, in this first scenario that we're talking about as interim head coach, the goal is to keep as many people in place as you possibly can. Yes, but I don't think that's a real option. And I think it's a it's a last case. It's a worst case scenario, honestly. If you go through a um, coaching search and you don't you're not in love with anyone, mm-hmm. then I think you pull that plug. But truly, and maybe this is too messy to do this. And I guess messy is the word of the day for me. It's all all messy. But what it, is there a situation where you announce Darren Cheverini as the head coach, but and you give him a five year contract, but under the table, it's understood that it's really a one year, a one year tryout. And, 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 and written in the, in the last, contract, the buyout is one small. million for the entire four years right or there's just a, an out like if both sides mutually agree at the at the end of one year or whatever mm-hmm. and maybe that's an opportunity that Cheverini is interested in but it's also it wouldn't be he wouldn't have very much leverage it wouldn't be a good place for him to be but if it's if he believes this is my only chance to get a, a, a chance to be the head coach at Colorado then maybe he takes that yep and, and I think even on his end because he does really seem like he wants to stay in Colorado long term. I do think that there are some pros for him keeping that interim title. That way when whoever the next head coach is, say say you make him the full-time head coach, that's his name. Next season, you bring in a new head coach and the new head coach is going to say, "Well, we can't have the last head coach still on the staff." But, oh, you're right. but if Darren is still the interim head coach, then everybody is able to say, yes, this was an in-between role. He was just filling in, stepping up because of that. Here's an interesting topic that I've seen people fight about. Uh, you know, a lot of people are just angry and screaming on Twitter and everywhere else you look, which, you know, is a reasonable reaction to all of this. Those are the emotions we're all feeling. But there has been an interesting discussion about potential NCAA rule changes so that you can't do what just happened to Michigan State honestly with D'Antonio leaving and then also to Colorado now with Mel Tucker leaving my my take there is you you don't really need a rule you need to write that into the contract when you're writing in the buyout that if you leave here at this date then all of a sudden it's this much more money do you think there's room for the NCAA to regulate that kind of thing um no it, this is this is the real world you it can't is. start putting um rules on contract negotiations in that sense i will say this mel kind of or sorry rick kind of dropped the ball a little bit on the buyout um when you're negotiating a contract i think both sides are sitting there saying okay well you're not going to leave after one year right yeah and if the answer to that from Mel's side is yeah of course not then your answer is rick george's okay well let's make the buyout after one year 10 million dollars yep you know yep 
And I, I just am curious what happened in those negotiations that led to them saying, okay, well, it's only going to be three million after year one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't even fully counteract the buyout that the Buffs are still paying. It essentially does. Essentially, they're finally out of debt. Okay, it, it pays off whatever's left of it. Of Mike McIntyre. Yes. yes, they they still come out behind when you factor in the two totals for the buyouts. Uh, but, but, but let's. <sighs> Okay, so what we have determined here is that going with Darren Cheverini in an interim role, a little sticky. Yep. Trying what I just mentioned, which I thought was a good scenario in my mind until you mentioned that if you hire another coach, you can't keep Darren Cheverini. You just can't. I mean, in, in, in all, if we're being real, it's just yep. not really that likely. Um, what, what about Darren Cheverini is the coach? And he signs a real four- or five-year deal. You know, I think – I like what you said about Darren Cheverini do, being a full-year interim coach as being the worst-case scenario. I want to point out, though, that in terms of worst-case scenarios, that's not that bad of a worst-case scenario. Not at all. Especially when you look at what just happened to Michigan State. Their worst-case scenario was we take our second or third or maybe even lower than that choice, double his salary – and then he's here. That was their worst case scenario, and that's what they ended up doing. For the Buffs to have this type of opportunity because they have Chev on staff, that's great. I think that making him a full-time head coach is worse than that scenario. And I think that you can just make him the interim head coach. I, I, I don't think you want to lose Chev. He's too valuable as a recruiter. He's one of the known quantities on your staff. That's a piece that you want to keep around for as long as you can. And I don't think you risk it by making him a coach who you could then fire. I will say this. I think it's the it's the decision that would appease the current players the most. Mm. Um, in terms of not losing recruits and that sort of thing. Yep. That's going to be the one that wins them. But I love Chev. Me too. So much. And personally, I love the idea of having a true buff be the head coach of this football team, who's also a great recruiter, which in the end is one of the most important things of college football. Yep. Two things here. When you're the head coach, you don't get to recruit as much. It's true. Your job is more about closing than it is about recruiting. And I'm sure Darren Cheverini is great at that. But we, you are um, handicapping what he's able to do from a recruiting standpoint a little bit. Yep. The other thing, and, and this is just the honest truth, is people who have been in the program since Darren Cheverini has been there don't necessarily feel like he's a head coach type. Yep, Then and exactly. The truth is that's why he wasn't the interim head coach when Mike McIntyre was fired. Yeah. Is it, it, it just people there haven't felt that way. Now, could things change? Could he interview and lay out a path for why it's going to work? And, and could it actually work out in the end? Yes, and to me, it's funny. The dr that's actually the dream scenario for me, is Darren Cheverini gets the <laughs> job and it works out swimmingly. Yep, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And it, and it kind of reminds me of what I said on that live the night the report came out when I said, you know, best case scenario is Mel goes through this process, gets offered the job, and then says, actually, no, I like the buffs better. And a lot of people were coming at me saying, well, that's not best case scenario. Best case scenario is he shuts down the whole interview. And I was like, well, no, the best case scenario is he says it straight to their face after hearing the whole pitch, after seeing that he can make this much more money. But if he takes the interview, there are a whole bunch of more bad things, and that's why it's not worth going down that road. Kind of how I feel about Chev. I would love for him to be the, the next great CU head coach, 
He has the backstory to make that even more perfect. I like him as a person. You know, Blake Street Tavern, one week ago today, I... Uh, uh, he, he said hi and I was like yeah thanks for retweeting all my tweets and he's like yeah man I, I, I like all the stuff like keep putting out good content and and I'll, I'll keep retweeting and it's like those good little reactions he's a good dude and I would love to see him succeed the odds of that happening compared to bringing in whoever it may be that's still on the market I just don't think they're as good and if you can keep Chev around because he is so great at the things that he already does I don't know how you say no to that the hard thing here is it sure seems like, by the way he's acting on social media, that being the head coach at Colorado is Darren Cheverini's dream. And how long can he be strung along without feeling like it's this isn't attainable for me? I have to start looking elsewhere. Because maybe he is happy being the co-offensive coordinator slash wide receivers coach forever. Mm-hmm. But – like, again, based on the way that he is acting, retweeting everyone who is saying he should be the head coach, it seems like this is something that he really wants. And it's awkward for the the buffs to turn around and say, like, yeah, just not now. Maybe later. Yep. For a second time, you know, because this will now be the second coaching change he's gone through where he was on the staff. So you might end up losing him one way or the other. Yeah, that's definitely true, and I totally agree. I I think even before today, even before seeing how he reacted, before we knew that Mel Tucker was even considering leaving, I think we both would have said, if asked what is Darren Cheverini's dream job, we would have said head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes, no doubt. So it's not like that's some new revelation. And, I, you know, the report came out Thursday night, um... I, th- I think it was Thursday. It might have been Friday. But but the report – or no, I guess it would have been Friday. Sorry. doesn't matter. Report came out when, when Mel Tucker's interest was uh, was also reported that Darren Cheverini, Darian Hagan, they were both sticking around Colorado if they could. They weren't interested in following him to Michigan State. And, and I think that that's just kind of who they are. And maybe there's a chance that down the road Darren says, you know what, I want a shot to be a head coach. That's what's most important. And who knows who comes offering? Maybe it's a group of five school. Maybe it's an FCS school. Maybe he says, you know what, I'll take it. Could be a power five school if he interviews well. And if, and if he gets to the point where power five schools are interested, I would guess the most interested school would be Colorado because he comes with all that extra value of being a buff, being able to sell that to recruits in a way that a guy like Mel Tucker just can't. I, I just don't see it. I mean, how old is he? He's not... He, I guess he's starting to get into the age of a typical first head coaching job. Yeah, but early 40s, I would assume. Exactly, but he's still he's still a young guy. He still has plenty of time. Yeah, it's interesting. All right, aside from Cheverini, there's names out there. Uh, I mean, the crazy thing is we are in the early phase here, and yep. this is when usually crazy names get thrown out there. You know, Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer. That's the first time someone's <laughs> thrown out a name. This is the odd thing: is no one is throwing out big names. There's none that exists other than Urban Meyer. Exactly. And Urban Meyer is probably not going to coach the Buffs. Probably not. Hey, Colorado ties. He does have Colorado ties. But yeah, it, it's to just the wrong side. But yeah, that means he knows. The, this is what's weird, though. Is usually you start up here, and I'm putting my hand very high. His hand is so high, and then you work your way down to a realistic candidate. Mm-hmm. We're starting right here at the realistic, in fact, uh, he, His hand is a tiny bit above. Uh, 
a little bit above realistic. We're, we're yeah. starting in the underqualified roll the dice era or area. There's no Mel Tucker here. There's nobody who you look at and say, he has this complete background, has worked with these guys. He is probably a rising star. Um, and, and that just probably isn't there. I mean, there, there are guys you could look at, you know, Brett Venables at Clemson. He's that would be the one, but he's turned down everything that's come his way. For years. For years he has been doing that. He said he's happy. And, you know, it's, it's like when Mel came here. He had been turning down gigs before, too. And then he said, you know what? This is the right spot. This is where I can actually do something. Brian rolled his eyes, and I think we're all pretty happy he did. But um, maybe, maybe somebody sees that same thing that Mel saw and then sees, you know what? Mel got him a step ahead. That's the, the ugly truth here is the positive – outcome here for CU isn't all that positive, but it does exist. A guy who came here didn't even have to have that much success, just doubled his salary. Yep. So I hate using the term stepping stone about, you know, the anything we care about. Yeah. Uh, But if you are being thrown into the stepping stone category, you're at least being considered a really great stepping stone. What if I just throw stepping stone in my Tinder bio? (laughs) <laughs> stepping stone relationship yeah like it's not gonna be perfect but it'll get you where you need to go right like i'll <laughs> throw me on the resume i'll teach you what it, you're supposed to be treated like so you know how to get someone more worthy of you and to treat taller you. yeah whatever i don't know interesting thought but then i mean maybe a guy like robert Sala again if if he wasn't going to take the money that Michigan State offered, you know, there there is also the factors of what was going on behind the scenes at Michigan State, the news that could be breaking at any time that whatever sanctions are on the way, and that could push a guy like Sala away. As far as I've heard so far, he's not in the mix because that was the first name that came up to me because I knew he was in the Michigan State mm-hmm. mix. Um, I, I, I got a doubt it on if he would be a candidate. Okay. So. Well, that got shut down. Uh, BLM, Bielema? Bielema? Bielema. Bielema. So I, this I is an it. interesting one because he he pulled a Mel Tucker. He went from Wisconsin, certainly not a stepping stone program no. in anyone else's mind. No. And took the Arkansas gig, was doing well at Wisconsin, failed Incredibly at well at Wisconsin. So if his narrative would be he comes in and says, oh, I've made the Mel Tucker mistake. I'm never doing that again, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to have success here and stay here, and I want that stability. That's interesting. And and I think the other thing that makes him really interesting to me, and again, right now he's the outside linebackers coach with the Giants, the New York Giants, certainly a position you could take him from. Yes. That, that's not a job that you're locked into, especially if you're a guy like him. The one thing that I really like about him, though, is that he – has a lot of the same thought processes about football that Mel Tucker had. And while you aren't just trying to patch the hole, you're trying to build for the future, you want somebody who can build a sustainable contender, the fact that Mel Tucker has recruited the guys he's had, has placed the emphasis in the places he's placed the emphasis, wants the running game, has these running backs, has a running quarterback, a power running quarterback, to be able to pull in somebody who wants to build from the trenches out might make some sense certainly um i mean i love the idea of building from the inside out and i think that if brett billima was able to come here and do that then that's an interesting 
scenario. Yeah. The other one that we haven't talked about yet that is being thrown out a lot nationally is, of course, Eric Bieniemy. Yep. Um, that's another one that kind of fits into my dream scenarios of, okay, you get a buff. And he works back. out. You also maybe weaken the Chiefs a little bit. That doesn't uh, hurt. Uh, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Um, I guess how much you weaken the Chiefs really tells you how good of a candidate he really is. Very true. Um, the thing that the national media is missing here is that it was ugly when he was here with John Embry. Um, it started out awkwardly as they both interviewed for the head coaching job. And... It was, to- it was kind of described to them as whichever one of you doesn't get it, the other one of you is going to be the offensive coordinator. Yep. Which the enemy an got munchecked. Yes, but a very awkward scenario where I don't – there was a little bit of a, uh, of a problem power dynamics there. Mm. Um, EB, I, I love EB. Like the dude – like the guy that I've run into at the NFL Combine and spent time with – the guy that I uh, covered from a media perspective is a really good guy. He's also a hothead and rubbed a lot of people at CU the wrong way with the way that he conducted himself as the offensive coordinator there. I mean, berating players, screaming. He already had kind of a history of berating guys going back to his days as the running backs or special teams coach under Gary Barnett, huh. I, maybe both. Hmm. Um, he's a hothead. Now yeah. – one thing that I think people who are telling that side of the story that I just told are missing is that I think he's probably learned a lot about being a head coach from Andy Reid. Yep. He's a, I, I mean, I assume he is a completely different coach from the day that he walked out of CU to the day he is now. I mean, everything could be different about him from a head coaching perspective. Um, so it, it's if Eric Bieniemy came here and became the head coach and had success and you know, took them back to the top. That's another thing that's a dream scenario. It's also just there's a lot of hurdles, I think, involved. Yeah. How turned off are you by the fact that he hasn't gotten an NFL head coach job? Not at all. Um, I think there's a lot at play there. Um, I think that there's a lot of people in the um, coaching world who who believe that, you know, he's being treated differently because of his race. Yep. I think um, that's – a little bit of a um, surface-level view. If, if you look at the wide picture and see how few men of color are head coaches in the NFL, and then also look at the success the ones that have gotten the jobs have, have had, then it's easy to see that there there should be more like just okay, statistically yes. but then when you when you bring that argument down to one individual that's when it doesn't work out because you don't know that he is one of the five or six or ten more that there should be that should have that you know so here's what i believe you can be, you can believe that there should be way more blackhead coaches in the nfl while also believing that it's not necessarily um because he's black, that Eric Bannemi isn't a head coach. Exactly, and, that, and it could is, be and as well. What you're, and it, 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 it could, could be. be, but and by the way, I completely do believe there should be more black coaches in the NFL. Yeah. Um, but there's also other stuff at play with Eric Bannemi. You know, it happened with Vance Joseph when he got hired to the Broncos. All of a sudden, yeah. his history at CU really flared up, and you would be putting your head in the sand to act like Eric Bannemi doesn't have a history at CU now. Um, he wasn't accused of sexual assault, which is a a much higher 
level of allegation than anything that happened with him at CU. But he does have a history. And I think there's a chance that some places are worried about that. And if anyone knows about the history and can't pretend like they didn't know about it, it's CU. So that's also at play. Yeah. And, and that's kind of at play in a lot of these situations. You know, I, I bring up Urban Meyer mostly jokingly. But, again, the reason he's available is because he does have the history that he has. You know, he'd be a head coach if he had reported that one of his assistant coaches had assaulted his wife. Um, again, all throw in all the allegedly's before everything I just said. But, but again, that's at play. And there's, there's a reason he's available. There are reasons that some other head coaches that have successful histories are available and when Colorado is kind of searching the bottom of the barrel at this point some of those types of guys might have to be at play I was just gonna say that isn't this the perfect opportunity to hire someone like that I I, obviously other than Urban Meyer I don't know necessarily who we're talking about here Um, but an Urban Meyer would be one that CU fans might uh, be a little bit more open to, I don't know if turning a blind eye is the right term, but open to him as an option because of the situation the Buffs are in right now. Yep. They might say, like, uh, yeah, it's kind of – I don't love the fact that they're hiring Urban Meyer because of his history, but their hands were kind of tied in terms of who they had available to them. And if you know that you're going to get flamed for hiring a bad football coach or get flamed for hiring a bad person – I mean, I, I think we'd all like to see them not take a bad guy to take the job, or not even a bad guy. I don't necessarily think that these are bad guys. They're people who made bad decisions and either learned from it or didn't. And, you know, they, it's just such a weird situation that they're in right now. It's honestly kind of unprecedented. Okay, so you listen to the DNVR Broncos podcast once in a while. Oh, yeah. Who do you think is my favorite candidate of the Ooh. people being brought up from outside of CU? Testing my knowledge. Um, you can make a very direct connection to who my favorite was for the Broncos job last year. Wow, that was way back. You need me Dang. to walk you through it? Yeah, walk me through it. Okay, obviously I am a huge Cliff Kingsbury fan. And that's where my mind went, but then obviously... You you hit a dead end? Yeah. Uh, Kingsbury was is worked directly with Graham Harrell. Exactly. Who and you told me before the show that that was your number one. <laughs> but, but so I, not only do I not listen to your really podcast like enough, you I soft- actually don't even listen to you in person. I was throwing you a softball. <laughs> trying to make you look smart. It uh, backfired just extraordinarily. As um, those things tend to do. <laughs> so uh, Harold was with Kingsbury at Texas Tech. He brought him in to be his quarterbacks coach at USC. Kingsbury then takes the Arizona Cardinals job. And Harrell is elevated to the uh, offensive coordinator position that he was going to hold at USC. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that he would make sense. I think he, so the, he'd be exciting for sure, you're which is a, something I'm looking for. Right, you're getting a young guy. You're getting a guy who comes from the air raid background, um, who was a successful football player, who has a little bit of that young swagger that Mel Tucker carried about him that everyone shorts. loved so much. Remember the shorts? Right. I mean, uh, he's probably going to be in shorts and aviators on the sidelines. Like, that That would be cool. <laughs> um, again, the, in a normal coaching search, 
you're not doing backflips over Graham Harrell. It, the, it's not as if USC's offense jumped off the page last year as, oh, this is an offense you can't ignore. Joe Brady, LSU-style uh, takeoff under him. But he's a guy who would be a nice face of the program, who would bring in an interesting philosophy. Obviously, the Air Raid just left the Pac-12. Maybe you fill that void, and you're the Oof. team that runs the Air Raid who always gives teams issues throughout the year. Yeah, I mean, it'd be a lot of fun. And if you're and if you're looking for young guys, I think Andy Avalos is another one who I've been really excited about. Defensive coordinator from Oregon. He's only been there one year. Again, a young guy, but he's had success. He has that swagger like you were talking about. And I feel like if he were to come into Boulder and say, you know what, we're 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 taking this over. We're going to we're going to continue what you've made on defense. We're going to change some things for sure. But guess what? Jason Harris and Antonio Alfano and all of you young cornerbacks who could decide to leave. You have time before you're ready to go to the NFL. We're going to make something special here. Buy in. I think he could sell that vision to those guys. Yeah. Uh, he's another guy who's interesting. Has CU ties. Was a yep. grad assistant at CU back in the day. Most people that I've talked to really liked him when huh. he was around the program. Um, CU, a rich Polynesian history yep, uh, that he sure. would be able to tap into, of course, as a Polynesian uh, coming of Poly Polynesian descent. So and th there are candidates here that you can get behind that can excite you. I think you, we just mentioned a couple of them. I think we want to go – we're leaning towards the younger guys. It also might be because we're younger guys ourselves. And True. A lot of people felt that's how – that's why I felt so strongly about Cliff Kingsbury from a Broncos perspective. I like <laughs> the idea of having a young Same haircut. leader – leading young men um and you know being able to connect with them i think it's it's hard in 2020 for a 60 year old or a 58 year old man to connect with 18 year olds yeah um might as well just throw a couple more names out there um this this is coming from my list you know i, I think we've hit all the big ones billy napier maybe jim levitt that kind of goes into what I was just saying. Although Jim Levitt, in terms of old dudes, he does have a knack for connecting with younger players. I mean, he also has, like, uh, daughters under 10 years old. Um, so he's certainly uh, involved with young people. Yep. Um, I liked Jim Levitt a lot when he was here as a defensive coordinator. It's not in – it wouldn't make you do a backflip. He – you know, you talk about guys who turn and go take the next best opportunity. Yep. He has a history of doing that. Yes, he does. Um, another one, Clark Lee from Notre Dame, the defensive coordinator. A couple years of success. Uh, maybe a name to watch. I, I don't necessarily think that the odds are in his favor by any means. But again, a young defensive coordinator who could apply some of the same principles that Mel's been trying to apply, continue things. Um, Tony Elliott from Clemson co-offensive coordinator again for guys like that same thing with brett venables if i'm in their shoes i'm saying i'm gonna stick around clemson one more year get as much success as i can out of uh trevor lawrence trevor lawrence and, th and then see what's available to me um you know he'd be exciting brian harson from boise. boise state that's an interesting one Again, doesn't make you do a backflip, but you nope. uh, I don't know if CU can hire a former Boise State coach again. And so what happened there? So I've had a whole bunch of people say exactly that. And, and like in my notes, it says, where is he? Brian Harson, look into Boise State, Colorado. <laughs> Dan Hawkins. 
Oh, okay. Who okay. is widely regarded as most people's least favorite CU head coach. Um, was the head coach of Boise State. Had a bunch of success. Was considered the home run hire. They hired him. You know who his offensive coordinator was? It was Chris Peterson. He was the mastermind mm-hmm. behind all that. Then he leads at Boise State, then goes to so. – And has success. Dan Hawkins is now at UC Davis. Where um, I covered him for one game. For one they game. They played Montana. Uh, was not a fan. So he, he did not like me either. It's not a real reason why you shouldn't do this, but it is something that CU fans have a scar from. Yep. Brian Harson and Dan Hawkins maybe have no- might have nothing in common for all we know. Do you think they've met – Maybe not. Maybe not. It's possible <laughs> that they didn't. Um, one more. Dave Logan. Uh, I know. I hate this because I like Dave Logan. Um, I just don't like – it's such an easy thing to do to be like, oh, the best high school coach who also happened to go to CU should be the head coach of CU. I just think if, you, if this was the move, he should have started this path a long time ago. Like, he – this is a guy who should have went and coached – Oh, that's good. We're good. Northern Colorado, like Ed McCaffrey is doing. Yeah. Or Mines when Bob Stitt left or yeah. whatever. Like, there is a there is a way to climb your way up. He, I, I'm certain of the fact that um, someone like John Embry would have loved having Dave Logan on the staff as a tight ends coach. Yep. And then you're in the – you're in the lexicon. You're in the – Rolodex of college coaches to go from a high school coach in Colorado all the way to the head coach, and you're not even getting like the benefit of like, oh, well, this is a great uh, high school football state. Like, it will play yep. really well to hire a great high school football coach. It's just, I think it's, it's just a little bit lazy to to recommend him. I think he would have had to travel a different path. I do think though that if he had taken a different path. You know, right now, the, the in-house guy that we're all talking about is Darren Cheverini. Give Dave Logan two years on the staff. That's, that's a conversation at the very, very least. Right. Like, how do you sell me on Dave Logan over Darren Cheverini? There's, do I, do I, oh, you I, want to tell me he's won four state, champ, or state championships with four different schools in Colorado? Again, what does that get me? At least I know Darren Cheverini can recruit. Yeah, you know he. I know he connects with players on a level that gets them to want to play for him. Yep. I don't think you can make a case for why that why you would go with the Dave Logan route over Darren Trevorini, other than you're just saying, well, he's a good. He's a, he's already a head coach, and so it should be an easier transition. And it, and if he were, if if Colorado were a better high school football state, if you're trying to recruit better in Colorado, then he'd make a lot more sense, like you said, but. He really is kind of like a local legend. You know, he has a great story. Only guy drafted in the NFL draft, the NBA draft, and the MLB draft. That's insane to, to, to be that talented. But that's only really people around here that know that story, that have that sort of name recognition. It's not like you go into Ashad Clayton's house in New Orleans and say, hey, I'm Dave Logan. It just doesn't work that way. And if Colorado had more recruits that you're after, then maybe the conversation's different. You're saying that people aren't saying, like, that's the guy who calls the Broncos games when they're in Louisiana? <laughs> maybe not. Maybe maybe not that. Um, any other coaches that you're thinking of? Oh, man, so many names have run through my head today. Um, the interesting thing is there's not much coming out from yeah. the athletic department. I think yeah. they're kind of in the early stages here, too. 
Um, although they did a pretty good job keeping things under wrap in their last coaching search in which they found huh. Mel Tucker. Yeah, I wasn't here for that. Mel Tucker was certainly on the radar. He was a guy who was a name, but no one really knew what CU was doing for most of the search. Okay. You know, I thought they could go a really unconventional route and maybe bring somebody in from a different sport. Okay, no. <laughs> who are you the, talking about? Whoever the coach of the Colorado Raptors is, Ryan. Oh, okay. This All is right. this you is a rugby time. The answer to that question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So you were out at Infinity Park to for a watch party on Saturday. It was awesome. How awesome? Honestly, really awesome. Um, I had no idea. I, I don't know rugby at all. So I went into it with no base knowledge about the sport other than you can't throw it forwards. Um, and I left kind of like falling in love with the sport. I was like, this is really entertaining. I, I could see that. And I was really disappointed I didn't get to go too. I had to get up to Boulder early for the basketball game, so I couldn't check it out. But I am so excited to learn about rugby. It seems like such a great game. It seems like one of those things where – the people who are into it are really into it. And obviously here at DNVR, those are the people that we are into. You know, sure, they fit whatever, 50,000 people into Folsom. But only what, 1,000, 2,000 are people who are, like, listening to podcasts daily about this kind of stuff. And those are the people we connect with. And those are the people who are going to those watch parties, going to Raptors games. And it just seems like such a cool community. It is a really cool community. I love those niche sports communities because mm -hmm. they're all very closely knit and um it's really cool so make sure you check out our raptors coverage and and maybe give the raptors a shot this year i'm excited i'm excited to go to a home game seriously i don't know when the first home game is but that was their first game of the season on the road it's not this coming week but the week after this not this coming weekend but the weekend after that okay good to know might have to take a trip out there okay um do you have more football thoughts or should we move on and talk about some happier things we could talk about football all day i think <laughs> i think so let's too. talk about happier things let's talk about happier things okay let's set the stage here this is the last podcast that will be coming out before number 16 colorado goes to number 17 oregon in an incredible matchup one that's going to be called by dave pash bill walton and mark jackson didn't need that last one but okay I know, but I mean, it's 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 they're not they're, it's recognition, you know. Yes. Mark Jackson isn't necessarily my favorite guy to be talking on a basketball broadcast, but he is one of the great college point guards. Um, that's why he's out there because he wants to see Peyton Pritchard go up against McKinley Wright the fourth, two of the finalists for the Bob Cousy Award. The that means they're top ten point guards in the country. That's gonna be a matchup to watch. This is just insane that the Buffs are here right now. It's pretty cool. I mean, the fact that they made the jump up to 16 shows you that voters have been, like, keeping half an eye on them yep. all along and then finally maybe got a good look at them this weekend and were like, oh, this is a, a very good basketball team. And, and it is. It is. Um, there's a world in which we can live in where all of a sudden all these eyes are on CU right now because of the coaching search, and then Tad Boyle, who is the most loyal <laughs> employee at the university – uh, uh, goes him. out and gets a a signature win. Not that he needs a signature win in year He has 10, so many. But uh, another signature win on the uh, road as number 16 reaches the high water mark of his career. Yep. They might catapult all the way into the top 10 if they were able Very to get a possible. road sweep this year or this week. 
road sweep this week. Um, Ooh. This is an amazing world that we can live in. It is. That's a... Uh, oh, no, there's a but? There's a but. I want people to understand something, especially people who are football fans, who are feeling down right now and are looking at this game as like, this is what's going to save me. Oh, no. Winning on the road in college basketball against bad teams is very difficult. Winning college basketball games on the road against average teams is really, really, really difficult. Winning college basketball games on the road against good teams is nearly impossible. Yep. And so I just want fans who are just catching their – CU basketball is just catching their eye to understand it wouldn't be surprising if Oregon won the game by 20 points. Not at all. And it wouldn't – I mean, I think it would be disappointing. Disappointing. But it really wouldn't change my perspective of the buffs all that much. It shouldn't. No. If they win, though, then – If they win, it should change your perspective of them a lot. Yes. Because now they've – I mean, they've already displayed they can win on the road this year. But now they've displayed they can go into a hostile environment against a top 20 team and beat them. I mean, that shows you their ceiling. Oregon was a top 10 team at one point this year. Yeah. Top five, maybe even four. They were number I four think they did the get to number four, them. yep. So if you sweep that team, all of a sudden you're looking at the ceiling for the Buffs as the final four. Seriously. Legitimately. Seriously. But if they lose... Even if they lose badly like they did at Arizona. Look, like people were kind of starting to panic when they got, you know, whooped in Tucson. And it's like, look what happened since then. They got right back on track. They beat the teams that they were supposed to. Uh, and, you know, they've gone and gotten road wins. They lost on the road at UCLA. Everyone lost their mind. They were – it's UCLA. Like, this is the <laughs> – on the road, <laughs> what it's a world. so hard what to lose. What a world that we're or complaining so, that Colorado lost on the road at UCLA. It, it is so hard to win on the road. And, by uh. the way, this is the UCLA team that just beat Arizona on the road. They went into Tucson <laughs> and won that game. So these teams are talented. They are. It's okay if the Buffs lose. It's honestly okay if they get crushed. Yeah. It doesn't change much. So I just want people to keep that perspective while also – wanting to live in this world where the buffs go in there and take the world by storm and everyone says look out for the buffs they're now ranked number nine um this is a this is a potential a sneaky final four team oh, oh that's it is so exciting and again just to throw some numbers at that oregon three and a half point favorite espn's basketball power index has oregon at a 71.5 percent chance to win just so you have the numbers and this is the thing not to spoil my column but in the last 11 times that Colorado has played Oregon, the home team has won. 11 straight home wins in this series. Continued this year when Oregon came to Colorado, ranked number four. Again, this, this is a really tough game, but it's going to be so much fun to watch, watching Peyton, Peyton Pritchard go up against McKinley Wright for what could be the last time, depending on what happens in the tournament. Ugh. The Buffs have done this once before where they went into Oregon like this and got a big road win. It was a messy game. 48-47. Messy. Um, uh, Andre Robertson had like an offensive rebound in the last few seconds to give them the 48-47 lead. They got the stop on the other end to win. It was Spencer Dinwiddie tipped the shot. So 
It's been done before, and I if there's ever been a Buffs team I was confident in to go in and win a game like this, it's this team. They are so mentally tough. They're not going to be shook by the environment or anything like that. The, the truth is, it's just hard, man. It is so hard to win it on the road in college basketball. So be hopeful, but realistic. And again, that, that game, Andre Robertson, Spencer Dinwiddie, that was the last time a road team has won a game in this matchup. Let's shift our sights a little bit to the Oregon State game. Because, again, we're talking about how hard it is to win on the road. Let's say Oregon, or Colorado loses to Oregon in this first game of the weekend, then goes to Oregon State. How, how big is that game on Saturday? So here's how I feel about it. The, the unfortunate thing about this is there's not a middle ground this week. And what I mean is... If you're able to split, that's like a fantastic result. Yep. Sweeping is a astronomically incredible result. There's been one road sweep in Pac-12 play all season. Right. And you're going up against Oregon. S- losing both of these games is a disappointing result. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean where there's n- you either have a fantastic result, a disappointing result, or a pie-in-the-sky extremely Let's go win a national championship result. Right. Um, and so the, the Oregon State game is the difference between disappointment and overt success this weekend. Mm-hmm. And that's what's, uh, what, what makes it a, a really big game. Um, you also have the revenge factor. I mean, you should have beat them by double digits should have at home. And you probably are uh, on the edge of the top ten right now if you do that. Yep. So – it's just a it's a weird weekend, man. And again, it's a hard weekend. Even if they if they lose both, it's disappointing just from the sense of you're gonna drop maybe all the way back to 24th. Um, you know, people aren't going to be talking about you as a top four three seed. You're right back to being a middle of the field. You're still firmly in the field. Let's not for get sure. that twisted. For sure, but a middle of the field team, and your chances of winning the conference are a little bit further out of reach yeah this or not or- further out of reach a little bit closer to, to being yeah oh, okay um but yeah so again th- this this game on thursday if colorado wins then they would have a two game lead over oregon plus they would have beaten them in both the games so that's the tiebreaker and so essentially for oregon to win the conference oregon would have to finish the season six and zero, and colorado would have to finish the season three and three from that point out that's a great spot for Colorado to, to be in. Yep. On the other hand, Oregon wins. Those two teams are tied atop the Pac-12. They've split the tiebreaker, and all of a sudden it's a 50-50. Plus, maybe Arizona can run back into the race. Yep. It's a, it, again, it's one of those things where you want, you, you want them to win, obviously, so badly. Mm-hmm. And it's such, it's such a massive opportunity. But you, I guess the, the fair way to do this is the Buffs don't go into this feeling like it's a fair fight. Don't go into this looking at it as it's number 16 versus number 17 because it's just not it's that that's not the way it really is. The Buffs are are way up against it going into this game and pulling it off would be a significant upset. I'm getting hyped. My mood has totally shifted after a, a day of talking with sad people about sad things. The it's just so so exciting to have a game like this coming up. It's really exciting. I, I, I just I hope that the sports gods shine down upon CU fans and say, man, they got a, they had a rough week. They deserve this one. 
Remember when Mel Tucker tapped Tad Boyle on the shoulder? Yes. On the road? Uh-huh. And reportedly Tad Boyle was not happy about that. <laughs> I don't know if that's newly being reported, but I've, yeah. <sighs> you know, it is just good to see Tad have success after being at Colorado for 10 years, after having opportunities to leave. And with everything going on, it would just be so nice to see Tad Boyle get a win after all this. And that's what one thing that I think people really need to understand is Tad Boyle is the dream. He <laughs> yeah. is a successful – he is the most successful coach in the modern era for CU. He is from Colorado. He has turned down at least one formal offer. Mm-hmm. He has pulled the name his name out of multiple other searches, and he has said that CU is his dream job, and he's stood by his word. Isn't that nice? It doesn't get any better than that. And I think there's a huge lack of appreciation for Tad Boyle within CU fans. And I think it's just because of this basketball, I don't know if it's a little brother type of thing, but it's like basketball is only going to matter to me if the Buffs are a powerhouse and they're not. And it's Tad Boyle's fault that they aren't. And so they should fire him. And it's like, this is the dream. You got a guy who wants to be here, who does a fantastic job, who has the program in a position to compete every single year be happy like show some appreciation <laughs> for this guy he deserves it especially this week he does and and talking to him on monday uh he was talking a lot about recruiting and a little bit about the reaction he gets to his recruiting because he doesn't just go after the guys with all the stars the guys who are going to leave right away and he doubled down on that emphasis on personalities and character, and guys who will fit the system, and guys who will get along, and guys who are Colorado guys and want to play Colorado basketball. And he takes so much heat for recruiting, even though he has finalists for the point guard of the year award. He has Tyler Bay for the forwards. It's it's just such a such a great program he's built, building off of character. He he told the story of the the year he recruited Deshaun Schwartz, Tyler Bay, and Evan Batty. And, and all of those guys come in for their recruiting weekend, and it's all the same weekend. He decides he wants them all there together. He doesn't want any of them to feel like they were the third one. They got the third weekend. They're the third priority. And also, he realized that they're good guys, and good guys are going to get along, and good families are going to get along. And he built off of that, and they all committed. And then he pulled in McKinley in that spring when they needed a point guard because Kin liked how all those other guys interacted, wanted to be a part of it. That's the type of recruiting you want to see, not just... Hey, look, it's a five-star who jumps really high. Yeah, exactly. And how about just a quick appreciation for Evan Batty? Oh, I'm sure you've talked about oh, him. Oh, I love him. Um, I've thought long and hard about this. I truly don't think there has ever been an athlete at the University of Colorado that I've loved as much as Evan Batty. Um, the way that he carries himself is honestly above like just most people in the real world. Uh, so high above Most it. good people right. in the real world. Um, the way that he represents the university is um, unmatched, yep. honestly. Um, I'm, I, I feel truly, truly blessed that he is, a, he is someone who represents the university that I love. And uh, I'm just blown away time after time after time by the way that that kid carries himself. As a kid, he's a kid. He's a kid. Yeah, and he carries himself better than most men and women in this in this world, and it's, uh, it's really really impressive to me. And I and I I, just, I ran into his mom 
<laughs> Lawrence Kansas. Love her. And I, I told her, I said, I, I feel real life love for your son. I actually love him, and I, that's how I feel about Evan Batty. And and this is like a weird job for me because you know I'm bought in. I want to see all these prog- programs have success, but it isn't because I grew up a Buffs fan. Like I just haven't had black and gold ingrained in my brain. Like, not to say all of you guys are indoctrinated, but in some ways you're kind of indoctrinated. Like you want to see the Buffs win. I'm one hundred. I'm one hundred percent want yeah. to see the Buffs win. I'm you know. It's interesting because I sometimes am in a, I am a reporter by trade, mm-hmm. which sometimes puts me in a position to report things about the Buffs. But don't get it twisted. I am a Buffs fan. Exactly. And, and for me, like I want to see the Buffs succeed, but it isn't because I like the Buffs. It's because guys like Evan Batty, who I've gotten to know, I want to see him succeed because he is just such a great guy. You want to see that kid cut down the nets. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's the same thing. Like I went through the same thing with Mikhail Onu. You know, where it's just another great guy who's like, I want the Buffs to win because I want guys like McHale to win a lot of football games because they deserve for good things to happen to them. And there are just so many of those people throughout all these programs who you just start to feel that way. You know, even the soccer program. I got bought into the soccer program because Taylor Corniak and J.J. Tompkins were awesome. Yep. Yeah. And that's like a cool place for you to be is like, you know, no one can accuse you of being a homer. No. Unless they're talking about uh, the University of Montana. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I th- I've, got, I've had this conversation on the Broncos podcast a million times. Anyone who tells you that they don't care about the results of the teams they cover is just lying. Um, mm-hmm. Your job is better and easier and more fun and more exciting and all of those things when the teams are winning. Unless you're one of those psychopaths who gets off on the other end of things, and then you want to see those teams lose. And those people are few and far between. And, and we don't like them. Most people don't <laughs> like them anyway. Um, and on that note, I think the last thing I want to say here I've seen a lot of people and Buffs fans who have said things along the lines of, like, I think this might be the last straw for me, or uh, I don't know how I can even be a fan after this. And, like, I understand the grief, but I I just couldn't disagree anymore. Um, For me, it's like, I don't – honestly, there's no – I said this. They could go 0-12 for the next 10 years. As long as they kick the ball off at Folsom on Saturdays, I'm going to be there supporting them. Um, This this – is deep into my blood for me and so while i understand people are upset and you know everyone has different priorities in their life for me i could not disagree more with you know something like this being the last straw in fact i think in in the end the quote-unquote mel tucker era was a step in the right direction for the program more than anything else so got three million uh, bucks out of it at the very least exactly you know what makes me excited and makes me want to see this team have success and why I don't want to quit on this team. What? Because I still have Twitter notifications turned on for Ashad Clayton and all day. Well, first of all, it was a little bit roasty saying I like in quotes, I'm a man of my word. And there's some of that stuff, the anger, but then he got to the point where here's one of his tweets for the outsiders. I did not sign to Colorado for coach tuck. I did it for me and my future to put myself in the best position. Of course, the people are going to have irrelevant things to say, but don't speak on a situation. You don't know. I wish coach tuck and his family, the best God's plan, stuff like that. You want to see him succeed. And then he tweets out just, just one word. Wizard. Love it. Oh, and he's going to wear that number 24. You have to stick around to see what he does at Colorado after all this. Absolutely. And I just, I hope that this class, I think that this class could end up having a really special place in the hearts of Buffs fans. They've already shown themselves to be really united. 
this is um, something that uh, anyone could take really hard, and especially 18-year-old kids could really say, "F this, I want out." Yep. If this class does kind of what they've shown, what they've been saying on Twitter today, and rallies around each other and says, "We want to prove Mel Tucker wrong for leaving us here," this class could end up being a legendary class uh, in CU history, and I hope that all those kids know that regardless of who the coach is like the the people who support this program are going to support them and love them and like i said if they if things go the way that they want them to they all band together people will always remember like that was the class that could have bailed and they banded together and put together you know whatever a a 10-win season or whatever it could be yep and we'll end on one more note in the conversations i've had with people on the team more than anything they want Colorado to schedule Michigan State. Love that. So much. Maybe they'll see him in the Holiday Bowl. Please. Please. And then we can go. It would be awesome. Have a I hope it happens. DNVR Buffs meet up at the Holiday Bowl. Maybe, like, they um, see you can play Michigan State in the NCAA basketball tournament and, like, Ooh. Mel Tucker shows up and then McKinley hits, like, a three and, like, points at him or something. Oh, McKinley would totally do that, too. I know. Oh, and Evan Batty would smile and shake Mel Tucker's hand. Like, hey, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like you made the best decision for you and your family. Congrats. Glad your family's happy. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that's going to do it for today. Um, no Buffs pod tomorrow. Tomorrow is draft pod day. Hopefully you guys will be tuning into that. I'll be talking with Andre Simone. Then we'll be, be back Friday. Unless news comes out about you know the coaching search and whatnot, in which you might have to uh, hop on the podcast. In which case, you guys know where to find me. And hopefully, uh, as this process goes on, and I you know um, can hopefully get some information about where they're looking and that sort of thing, and I'll I'll hop on from time to time during this process. So many times. Hopefully. All right. We'll talk to you guys then. I think they like my Colorado And see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it.
on revival. Get them thugs, get them bugs, mess them up, we say we got them. If we don't, then we'll get them. When we see them, then we have them. like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in that go, you know I'm acting bad. Holla, get them bugs with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, man I swear I think they like my Colorado swag.